Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast, where we discuss films from every genre. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. All right, hello everyone. Thank you for joining us. Today we will be discussing the film First Blood. I am your co-host, Corbin Riley. I'm Alan. I'm here in Chicago. Yes, and we are discussing the first in a, you could say, tetralogy of films of the Sly Stone Rambo films First Blood, which was based off the book by David Morrell, and it was released in October of 1982. And like I said, it stars Sylvester Stallone, Richard Crenna, and Brian Dennehy. Those are the three big names in this film, and then the music is by Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, the film is a good runtime. It runs at a little over an hour and a half. And I wanted to touch on the box office real quick because this film was huge when it opened up. The Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and I, I was really surprised that this film did so well. Yeah, I looked up uh, box office stuff uh, earlier today. Actually, I was writing uh, a review for the website, and I realized it did better than... Um, What's that one that came out? Blade Runner. That's it. Oh, Blade Runner. Yes. Yeah. It beat out Blade Runner in terms of money. So, little interesting fact. Yes. Um, and it is interesting because Harrison Ford and Ridley Scott were probably a much bigger draw. Oh, than yeah. And Sylvester Stallone and the director, Ted Kotcheff, who really is known for nothing. He right. did... Law, he did some stuff with Law and Order, and he also directed the film Weekend at Bernie's, and that's pretty much it. This is his claim to fame. That's yeah, that's it. But yeah, the box office numbers. Well, the budget I heard was roughly between fifteen to eighteen million. Yep. And so I got two. Domestically, it grossed forty-seven point two million, and for in the foreign market, seventy-eight million for a worldwide total of one hundred twenty-five million, which is pretty pretty great. For a budget of fifteen million, right? Especially for that time, because if we look at that now, if we were to do it for inflation, it'd be a lot more than what, but what it seems like. It it absolutely would, and mm. it was number one opening weekend. And if if it was true, I didn't really go and look, but if it was true from the feature that I read, then it it stayed number one for a couple weeks after that. Right, but I'm not for sure about that one. All I know is that it beat uh, Halloween three. Um, oh, for wow. number one halloween three uh season of the witch came in second so and they were both rated r films so that's pretty interesting to have two yeah. rated r films topping the box office yeah that that normally doesn't happen it seems like right and this is the time before the pg-13 rating was implemented that's a good point so yeah so with that being the case you wouldn't see pg-13 all over the place like we do now that is a really good point yeah so it's yeah, yeah definitely more probably teenagers and right you know adults bringing their kids along with them to go see this would make a lot more sense exactly so but like i stated this is based off of the book by david morrell and what inspired him to write this book was he had some students uh that were back from the vietnam war and he would interview them after class and kind of get their story and, and talk with them and also there were some riots going on in america at the time so Right. It kind of took the combination of both and kind of brought it back. And something worth mentioning, really interesting, is he he when he started writing this book, like he wrote it like ten years before it was published. He really? Didn't, yeah, he did not uh, 
support the Vietnam War. He was one of those who was booing the efforts in Vietnam. Hmm. And eventually, like, you know, once he got to know students that were a part of Vietnam better and just different things like that, then he kind of more so came around to it and he saw that it wasn't right to be so belligerent like we see the people in the movie are about it, which we'll get into that. Yeah, and the movie definitely touches on this subject very heavily, mm-hmm. um, which we'll you know we'll get into later because it that doesn't really show its face until the very end of the film with that last dialogue between Sylvester Stallone and the Colonel. Right, I forget his name right now, but yeah, um, with that last line on dialogue, it kind of brings the whole movie together and just kind of shows what this movie's message is trying to be, which we'll get into when we get there. Right, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that's when it really kind of really breaks loose with it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if we're ready, we can go ahead and get into the film. All right. One thing I did like about this film is that the film starts out with a lot of wide shots. Mm-hmm. I noticed that when I was watching it. Um, and it does kind of keep that for the rest of the film. There's a lot of wide shots in this film. And it kind of just like shows um, that, you know, Sylvester Stallone, he's headed home. Or we're supposed to presume he's headed home. He's just walking right now from right. what we know. And he just happens to pass by this town. And there's just a lot of wide shots like showing... Like the setting and stuff, like it's in like a wintry um, setting and whatnot, and I can like down this mountain from like this forest, you Mm -hmm. know. So yeah, I noticed that. I thought that was kind of interesting. That and also like a lot of long takes too. But this is of course as they're showing the credits and stuff because this is an older movie, right? And that that was one of the first things I noticed. Also, was the scenery is so beautiful. Oh yeah, and it was filmed in Hope, Canada. Okay, I believe they want you to think it's in. Uh, Washington, which is right up on the border of Canada there, but it is Hope Canada with and British Columbia with those mountains. And so gotcha. just I just love the landscape and the scenery. I would love to go there someday. Yeah. And I thought it was kind of interesting. I was thinking about this this afternoon as I was writing the review. I thought it was kind of interesting how they picked a winter mm-hmm. setting. Um because I know that as a film goes along they try to like incorporate the Vietnam-ish part of his life back into the setting of the movie. So that's kind of interesting that they chose to do a winter setting instead of like a jungly setting like Vietnam would be. I think I know why. Probably because it's like draining out the color mm-hmm. and stuff because it's a bit more white and drab than, you know, a jungle yeah. would be. But I just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. And I know you are a big score guy. You love music and scores. Yeah. So what did you think of Jerry Goldsmith's score and how that went with the film? I guess I didn't really notice it that much. Um, I did like it. It's a pretty good score. I guess because it's a bit more 80s. And I'm not huge on 80s music, but it is a good score. It, it does bring up, you know, the emotion and stuff that it needs to. But there's also points where there's not much score at all. Yes. Like in the really important moments, like in the beginning when there's, um, when they're like taking him in and stuff. And they get him into the police station, which we'll get into later. Um, there's not much score there. And it just kind of just shows that, you know, like what what's really happening it doesn't really need a score to direct the movie i thought that was kind of interesting i did like that a lot i i felt the same way uh the score has uh, of course like kind of iconic moments i guess you could say kind of in the beginning which is kind of things they call back to i felt that's when the score worked best right and that's when it really shined but otherwise it was kind of not very prominent yeah Um, i know jerry goldsmith has done more prominent things than this and he's gone on to like greater things but yeah, I, I felt like it worked like with the visuals because the score was pretty serene for the most part, especially yeah. with like the visuals that worked really well. 
a note to those listening and to you, I did watch this with this trivia track that it came with. Okay. And it came up with pop-ups and trivia stuff, which I felt was pretty helpful. And oddly enough, I do own the DVD also. The DVD has its own trivia track, which is different than the Blu-ray one and offers different stuff. I haven't watched all the DVDs, but... They're both, they both seemed pretty solid. The DVD seemed a little more in-depth. Like, it would give you, like, full character profiles gotcha. of Rambo, Teasel, etc. But one of the things, one of the first things that popped up with is Stallone didn't want the role, and he considered it cursed. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I, I know uh, I was looking at Stallone's uh, stuff that he was doing, and this was, like, the only big movie he came off of after um, Rocky. Rocky 1 and 2. Yes. So that was kind of interesting because I know Rocky 1 came out in 76 and Rocky 2 came out, I think, a couple years before this one. Um, so that was kind of interesting how it was just a, like, you know, just those only two movies were his like, his big breaks, essentially, before this one. Yes. And uh, the director, Ted Kotcheff, uh Sylvester Stallone was his first pick. I believe right. Paul Newman, you know, from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was considered for the role and Steve McQueen. I just, I can't picture them. I don't think they have that just kind oh, of yeah. crazy guerrilla warfare toughness that Sylvester Stallone brings to the role. Yeah, definitely. I feel like Stallone definitely is the perfect choice for this role. Absolutely. And, and which it, it really surprised me that he didn't want the role at first. Yeah. I don't know. He, I don't know if it was just coming off Rocky. He just felt like he didn't, didn't need it or didn't feel like it. I don't right. know. But, um, and the, I learned the very first cut of this film ran roughly over three hours holy cow yeah i was really shocked to find that out man it ran roughly over three hours and sylvester stallone was so disappointed like him and his agent were so upset with the first cut that he wanted to buy the entire negative of the film and destroy it thus holy cow never having it be shown yeah Man. (laughs) So apparently the three-hour cut, which I could probably understand it being incredibly boring. Later on, we'll talk about there's a deleted scene that's somewhat lengthy. And if that is any indication of what that three-hour cut was a part of, then yeah, that film would have just been crap. (laughs) Right, yeah. So, but I, I really was surprised by that and a quick note on the blu-ray i did we we both watched it in high definition yeah i mean what do you think of the picture i mean you've seen other blu-rays before so what did you think of this blu-ray um i thought it looked okay then again i was watching on like a little 32 inch screen so i really (laughs) couldn't tell (laughs) sure but i mean from what i saw i thought i thought it looked fine did you watch yours in the theater room we did for those of you who are listening and don't know i do have a theater room in my basement 140 inch screen it's a beautiful so, theater room. Yes, it is. Um, honestly, I made a note. I I said the Blu-ray doesn't look much better than the DVD. Really? I believe I looked at the back of the DVD. It is encoded at like 19 megabits. And it's it's not even an MPEG-4. Hmm. So it's essentially DVD quality because anything at like 19 or around that and with that codec, video codec, pretty much means they slightly upsourced it from the dvd so i I, it looked a little sharper but other than that i don't know i just thought we'd bring that up real quick to see our thoughts but and also um speaking of the book that it's based on um i will be popping up 
a few times with uh, the trivia track gave me a few insights into the novel. I have not finished the novel. I have read half of it about twice. I read it, read about half, kind of quit reading it. Then I'm like, you know what? This book's really not that long. I'm going to read some more. Is it as boring as the three-hour cut? No, it's not as boring. It's quite a bit different. Okay. It has a lot more character background, and it's a lot more, I guess you could say, savage, if that makes sense. Gotcha. It wouldn't have translated well to the screen. It would have just been a pretty terrorizing hard R which yeah. this film is rated R, but I would say this film's pretty tame. Yeah, it is. Standards. it is. I can see why it got the R rating, sure. but it's pretty tame. If it was released today, I could probably see it being a pretty uh, pretty racy PG-13. Yeah, but... they would have to just clip out a couple of those F-bombs, yeah. but there really yeah. wasn't much. Yeah, it would definitely probably be PG-13 by today's standards. Yeah, definitely. But um, we talked about how we really enjoy the scenery yeah. The novel is actually set in Kentucky. Really? Yeah. That's kind of an interesting <laughs> choice. <laughs> That's a pretty drastic change. Yeah. The novel is set in Kentucky. It gives a lot more background into the character of Teasel, which is played by Brian Dennehy. And I did like that in the book. We got a little more background. We really didn't get much character development with this guy. Or with pretty much anybody except Rambo. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did kind of put that in my notes that this movie kind of has some eh character development. Mm-hmm. That is kind of a problem. There isn't very many deep characters. It's kind of just like, oh yeah, here's the main villain. Here's the guy in the middle who's the colonel, and then right, right now the middle there's Stallone. You know, yeah. And so I mean, there's not very much character. Even Stallone himself doesn't really get that much character to him. You know. Just enough to understand. Right, and he he's pretty much almost silent throughout the entire film. Oh, yeah. He has little dialogue, which, I mean, if you're watching the film, it makes sense, like, because he's pretty much yeah. alone. The more we learn about him, the more I feel like we understand why he's a bit more silent. Absolutely. But it is worth addressing. Stallone himself does not have very many nines of dialogue, because he doesn't. <laughs> right, absolutely. So, we begin with him. He comes into this little yeah. town called Hope Canada, or Hope Washington. And it's kind of a nice little town. I, I liked it. It seemed like yeah. a tranquil place. Just right off the bat, you I feel like you can tell Teasel thinks he runs this town. Yeah. He is, you know, the head honcho, just so arrogant, waving hi to everybody. Right. And, just... and I do, I do like these, like, small town settings. Like, you know, nothing really happens in this town, you know. It's kind of just like this yes. is a nice little – even the guy, the guy Teasel says, it's a nice little town. Nothing wrong – basically nothing wrong happens here, you know. And, it's, and it was kind of nice to see, you know, right. just that that small town setting, and then this guy just kind of comes, comes through, and then this cop is like, "Hey, you look suspicious," you know, and then drives a the guy to the other <laughs> end of the town and says, "All right, I'll see you later," you know. Right, and it would make sense that he would want to be protective right, right. of a small town where probably crime is really minimal, but that doesn't mean it's not right that he is so like stereotypical and judgmental. I put in my notes, Teasel makes up a bogus reason for Rambo to leave. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it is worth addressing that. To get this movie going, it's kind of, like, out Mm -hmm. there. Like, this cop thinks that he looks suspicious, and so he tries to just get something to eat, Stallone does, and so he comes back into town after being drove across the other side, you know, and then so the guy says, okay, I'm going to take you with me, and then just the movie starts from there, and it's kind of just like, okay, that's an interesting way to start the movie, you know, 
um, doesn't really paint Tiso in a very good light. In fact, I, I would almost argue that all the police officers in this movie aren't really painted in the best light possible. Yeah, I definitely put that in my notes, that the cops yeah. are too... They're just, like, completely evil and too evil. They have, like, zero motives, yeah, except yeah. the only thing is, it's like, okay, maybe they just want to... They, like, probably never get, like, almost any criminals in there. So, they're like, all right, finally, now we can exercise our authority. This guy looks like... He's just stone faced. We're not gonna be able to break him very oh, yeah. well. But at the same time, I did kind of have an issue with that. Yeah. Where yeah, these cops are just over the top ridiculous, and especially the character of Galt. Yes. Yeah. He was my biggest problem with the cops. But at the same time, I felt like he can play a great villain. Oh yeah, he definitely could. He just kind of had that voice and that like really sternness, like a prison guard sternness to him, and just right. severity. And he does. He does like bring in the the end of the first act when he falls off the helicopter and stuff that he was he was the one who kind of gets everything really going in this movie like after Salone is getting booked you know the, the guy galt is messing right. with him and then later on in the movie when they're um, when he's being chased galt you know he ends up dying and then he then Salone is framed for the murder and everything and he's kind of the one who really sets the the whole movie in motion and gets everything where it needs to go to get into the second act and really start going where it gets really fun right Absolutely. Yeah. And I would even argue that this opening scene, too, is also like a lot of fun because it kind of just sits there, just builds the tension, you know. And this guy, mm-hmm. Sloan's just not saying anything for the longest time. And it's just kind of like, what is he going to do? You know, we have we don't really know much about him, you know. So it's kind of it's kind of freaky to think, you know, what is this guy going to do? We don't really know much about him, but we also know that he's capable of something, you know, because he looks really strong. He looks really built and stuff. And that these cops... Or just kind of booking him just because he looks suspicious and they were told to do so. So I thought that was kind of an interesting opening scene, you know. It was. And I felt like that's probably... I'm going to ask throughout the review your thoughts on it. But I would say that's probably the best tension building moment. I know they try and have a few of those throughout there. But I've seen the film multiple times. So it's not really... Doesn't really work for me. But we'll get into those a little later and I'll see what you thought of it. But what did you think of the use of flashbacks? Like the editing yeah. and everything with those. I, th- I liked it. It was kind of a foreshadowing element before we actually find out that he was in right. Vietnam. I thought it was kind of interesting because we know something's up with this guy from the first time we see him, you know. Um, and so he walks into the town and then the cops are like, hey, and he's like, you know, not really saying much, you know. He's kind of just like the stone face. I just want something to eat, mm-hmm. you know. And so he's very, like, very direct and to the point. And so when we see him being like investigated and terrorized by these cops, we have that like brief moment of just like a flashback of him like in this cage and these like presumably Vietnamese people, Vietnamese people, sorry, who are above him, you know, and they're kind of just laughing at him and throwing things at him, you know, it's kind of like, whoa, wait, what was that? You know, it's like, well, that was kind of, that was kind of weird, yeah. you know, another one comes by later, I forget which one it is, but there's another flashback and it kind of just gives us a nice foreshadowing of what he went through while he's in Vietnam. It gives us enough as an audience to know that something went on in Vietnam, something really bad, but we don't know exactly what and that's i like that a lot because it kind of gives like leaves up the creativity for the audience to know to figure out what exactly happened you know yeah like happened to him like we just yeah, get these little yeah. glimpses of what he went through and it looked pretty bad yeah what he definitely. was going through and i really thought the editing was a great choice because they were like so quick in yeah. the cuts it was like only like a few frames, too. And they also coincided with what was happening to him, which makes yeah. sense. Like when like Galt was like pulling him back, you know, about to shave him and he sees exactly, the knife yeah. and then it cuts to the Vietnamese officer holding the knife in the same position, like yeah. going to cut his chest. And that just like really triggers him 
to go out and also a note i thought this was some of the best use of flashbacks right. ever because they were so quick and they provided just enough for the audience to understand and the only other place i've really seen that well done is also another it's a war miniseries band of brothers in one episode those those flashbacks are just sublime and that episode was actually yeah. directed by tom hanks yeah i agree yeah the flashbacks they use in this movie which are very minimal they serve a lot for this movie especially in terms of like foreshadowing and stuff yes so rambo breaks away from these police officers and he just goes nuts on them i mean he's he's he and you find out he is a green beret right. which is special forces which is essentially the best that we have so he could clearly take these guys down but I don't know. Like he he goes almost a little too far. I think I would say yeah. For the first time, he like kind of just like loses it. I would say he maybe goes a bit too I far. I mean, he's like gonna like gouge Galt's eyes out. Oh yeah, he's just like yeah. grabbing his face. And I was I was like, oh man, I can understand. Like he just snaps, like literally snaps with all the things that he's been through. But I was shocked. And apparently, Sylvester Stallone really got into that role, into that fighting, because when he it's right before he gets out of the station. He knocks one of the officers over and he elbows him in the nose that he actually really broke the guy's nose. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, he was into it. and He busted that guy's Yikes. nose. And I, I really felt his his escape on the motorcycle. I felt that was that was pretty awesome. That was yeah, that was cool. I wrote my notes somewhere in here. More than one time I wrote. This is cool. Just the line. This is cool. I got to say, though, this fight scene to have him leaving it is pretty pre like early eighties and stuff, you know. Yeah, like, I would agree. <laughs> if, like if you watch a movie now, you can tell that they went all out on the on like the choreography. But in this one, it, it is pretty eighties. But I would say it's nice because there's no shaky cam. Oh yeah, and no. There's definitely. actually still shots instead of like crazy camera work yeah. shaking around where we can't really even discern it. So yeah, it's it's not a downgrade for the film. It's just something that needs to be brought up for those who want to watch it. Fighting is kind of cheesy, you know. Yeah, and then the car chase. Um, I wrote my notes, car chase, question mark, question mark, yes. <laughs> and below that, I said, I'm enjoying this no music. Definitely. And, yeah, it, I did. that was the point I was talking about earlier. There was a point when I where it doesn't use very much music. And this was the point that I really liked it when there was just no music. It was just him on the motorcycle and that cop ch- and the cops chasing him. That was really nice to see. Yeah, I, I agree. And this is in the book, but the main difference is Rambo is actually naked in the book. Oh my. On the motorcycle and for essentially most of the novel, half of the novel, he is naked and we'll get to it slightly later into the review. But you know when he finds that that boy in the woods? I believe in the book that is – or no, he he like finds an old man in a cabin or something and – then he comes to those boys and that's when he gets close. But he is mostly naked running around through there. So, I mean, clearly they couldn't put that in – Right. Pretty sure Stallone wouldn't want that either. No, and that would just make for an uncomfortable viewing experience. Yeah, yeah, it audiences. would. Yeah, we're, we're into the car chase. Teasel, I said, he goes too far chasing Rambo because he is destroying private property. He has gone yep. nuts. Yep. Um, I feel like his motivation, Teasel's motivation, isn't set up very well at all. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you. I feel like Teasel... Like, when it gets to a certain point in the film, I put my review that I understand why he wants to go after Stallone. Like, you know, it doesn't feel like that should be the thing that he needs to go after at that moment, you know? I think there's just going to be more build-up and more background to why he needs to go after Stallone. Yeah, we do. Um, other than just, we need to keep the town safe from this guy, you know? And it's like, even if he ran into the forest, I feel like he would probably just not come back. 
but of course, you know, they really don't know that. They're just, like you said, they're, they're probably just itching for something to go after, you know, that it's been this long that the town does not have anything, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I mean, this is an action movie. It's not yeah. really a drama, so they don't really need those per se. But I do feel for a discerning audience member, they would kind of, you know, need a little bit more. Yeah. To yeah. Like, like us, because I'm just like, okay, I don't get it. And since I have read that part of the book... Mm-hmm. I do understand that, and it did talk about in the trivia track where uh, Teasel fought in the Korean War, and he really didn't get any recognition for that. Um, there's a scene in the towards the end when he's in his office, and you can actually see his medals behind him from the Korean War. And the Korean War, I mean, it's pretty much been forgotten, especially by now, yeah. it seems like. Whereas Rambo got the Medal of Honor, which is the highest award you could possibly receive. So that's what the book was mostly about, was this kind of like intergeneration rivalry between a Korean vet and a Vietnam vet, like an old man and a young man, where Rambo is like, you know, he's got the Medal of Honor, he's got prestige, but still at the same time, nothing. So it's... Yeah, that would have been a really interesting conflict to bring into the film if if they had brought it in, you know? Right, and having that background knowledge, I could see it somewhat. Um, that's the only way I could really see it. Uh, the medals in the background, of course, but that's, you know, nobody's really going to yeah. notice that. So right, I, yeah. and that also establishes a lot more motivation, but we really didn't get that in the film. Right. But we just wouldn't have had time. And maybe in that three hour cut, we got just a ton of stuff, but that will never, ever see the light of day. I'm pretty sure that's, that's gone. We're never going to see yeah. that. Right, 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 right. So, oh, also another thing about the car chase, you know, when he's driving his, his car and he, and it like starts sliding down the embankment and it flips, that was an accident. Oh, wow. That wasn't planned. Yeah. That was, there's, there's a number of them I'll bring up that are all like accidents and they really got into the film. So I applaud them for that. Yeah. Really like, you know, not holding back. And a lot of them didn't use stunt men very often. So, and like that canvas Rambo wears throughout the film, that was not a prop. He just found that. Yeah. So a lot of this felt very real, especially knowing that that he really is pulling stuff from the real elements and cars are actually flipping and stuff is going on like that. Even if you don't really know about this kind of stuff, it's kind of fun to know the background about how much of this like actually happened. Not it wasn't set up and stuff. That really did kind of enhance the experience for me actually knowing that. So Rambo is climbing. Now he's up in the woods and he's climbing down a cliff. What did you think of that cliff scene where he's trying to climb down the cliff and he's yeah. pretty much forced to, and then eventually the helicopter comes. Right. Yeah. Okay. I was I was writing down notes and I was like. He's not going to jump, is he? <laughs> like, come on. You can't just have him jump from that. And luckily they didn't. Well, until he climbs down the cliff. But that's a long, that's a while from now. Um, so he's just like, he's like, okay, because of the cliff, he looks down and he's like, oh, crap. You know, I can't just jump from here. He's like, okay, right. uh, I'll just climb down. And it's before he knows the helicopter is here. So he hits, so he starts climbing down and stuff. And then the guy, Galt, starts shooting at him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, you know, this is cool and stuff. The camera work is really well done yeah. on that cliff. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And then especially when he gets down to the bottom and the camera is like moving with the tree and the helicopter around the tree. Yes. I really yes. like how that was done. Yes. I have my notes here. Um, there was a shot I really, really liked in this scene when uh, he's like clinging to the wall. So Stallone is, and the helicopter is like coming in from the side, from the left side of the frame, like into the center and getting closer. 
That was cool. That was. It was just like the still shot of you know some just like, hanging there as a helicopter comes closer, and you know that Galt's in the helicopter, and it's all oh, man. It was really cool. Then after that, the guy starts shooting at him, right? Mm -hmm. And so then Stallone he lets go, you know, he or jumps off, and he falls. I was like, okay, he's gonna hit the water, right? That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> and instead, he hits the freaking trees. Yes. I'm just like, geez, you know. And I was like, okay, maybe he's gonna be fine. He hits the bottom, you know. He's got a gash in his arm. Yeah. I'm just like, dang, you know. It was really nice to see that, you know, oh, how much of this I was just expecting to just happen. And it just goes a completely opposite way. Yeah. And speaking of them getting into the their role, like I said before, the guy who jumped off the cliff was a, is a famous stuntman. Mm -hmm. But, of course, they weren't going to have, you know, Sylvester Stallone do that. But he did do right, a right. partial jump. So when he hit that tree, that's really him hitting the trees. He broke several uh, ribs and he ruptured his spleen. Oof. jumping on that tree so when he is falling man. on the ground that's actually screams of pain that is not acting ah. I, I was like man that is crazy and that's not the first time these guys will break their bones like they really got into it you know when rambo gets that lucky shot lucky marksman shot which i can pass that off because he has a green beret so i'm sure his aim would be a little better than ours and uh galt falls out of the helicopter i could clearly tell that wasn't mm -hmm. uh jack jack starrett the actor that yeah. didn't look anything like yeah. Galt. he was so thin and his hair was completely different that was pretty funny and then rambo has to sew up his his cut which the dvd mm -hmm. actually told me that most survivalists discourage showing yourself up in the field because you could just cause an infection <laughs> from the needle so yeah. i thought that was interesting the dvd was truthful but the film wasn't accurate on that point <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting because um, I wasn't expecting that either. You know, he just kind of takes out his knife and then pulls off the bottom and he's got like a, a needle and thread, you know. Yeah. I was just like, that's kind of convenient. <laughs> I mean, I guess I can see why you would have it. But now, mm -hmm. you know, saying that it was this is discouraged because you could get infection. Uh, it doesn't really make much sense to me that he would have that. But I, I understand for movie's sake why it was there. But I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, of all the things that could be in the bottom of that knife, he picked a needle and thread. <laughs> yeah. So, and then we get our next instance of, I feel the cops just being too evil. When Rambo is surrendering, he's unarmed, he has his hands yes. up. And then for no reason, Teasel just starts shooting at him. And then of course, yeah. everybody joins yeah. in. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I could see Galt is dead down there, but you just can't do that what the heck you know and then that that was just another instance where i'm pretty sure it's they're trying to kind of manipulate us a little bit just feel like yeah. look how evil these cops are they're just yeah. shooting at this unarmed guy he didn't do anything he's doing everything in self-defense essentially right so it makes you want to root for rambo you know because we don't want to be rooting for the cops since the film is about rambo pretty much you know yeah yeah. So, but I, I felt that was a little, well, a little too far with that. Did they actually, when they shot him, when Galtwin was shooting him, did he actually like, hit him in the face? Cause I saw Rambo like grab his face and scream as he turns around. He grazed his forehead. Okay, that's that's yeah. what happened. I was confused about that. Cause I was like, cause I had my notes. You know, did they actually hit him in the face? Mm -hmm. But I didn't really see much after anything after that about it. So. It did graze his forehead. One of the cool features of that uh, trivia track was it would show like a uh, kind of like a dummy body. And it would show like where the people got hit, and it would explain their injury. Oh, uh, okay, got so, it. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yes, I I did want to mention one thing real quick where I actually this was the only time I laughed in the movie when Mitch yeah. is mentioning uh, how Rambo Special Forces, and he's like, he's like, that's great, that's really awesome. Oh yeah, and yeah. And then right. he's like, why don't you just let the state police handle this? And then 
Teasel just like grabs him and smacks him, and I was like actually laughing in that part. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, that was great. Um, and then apparently these police have uh, M16 machine guns. Yeah, okay, the police in this movie are like weird. For such a small town, how many police do they have? Yeah, I know. I was wondering that throughout the whole film. It's just like, this is a small town. You do, How many cops are there? From the time that Rambo enters that police station, I was like, wow, there are a lot of cops here. To the time when like, he leave and make, a, make up a search party to go find him, I was like, sure. wow, that is a lot of cops. How many of these do you actually need for this small of a town right. where supposedly nothing happens here? Yeah, they do eventually call in the state police, which does right. like, reinforce their numbers. Yeah, there was it was quite a large manhunt. Right, yeah, I mean, I'm talking about precursor before they actually before call the in the state, state police. police. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what I was actually thinking about? One of the lines made me think of it. This is a better version of Predator. Like, what do you mean? Well, okay, it's it's like you know, there's the group. They're both in this kind of jungle forest environment. Yeah, and the Predator is essentially hunting them. Rambo is the Predator, and you know, Schwarzenegger and uh, Brian Dennehy, their group is kind of similar. I understand uh, they're both different, but it's kind of that where the Predator, like, because Rambo camouflages himself. Yeah. And does these like little things to him. I don't know. I just kind of felt that whole hunting atmosphere like Yeah. Who, is yeah, he okay. hunting us or are we hunting him? So Yeah. I I kind of noticed the correlation between the two and I felt like, well, you know what, this is actually a better version of Predator in a Yeah, way. I know I, I totally agree with you now that you mentioned it. I really didn't think about that. Um yeah, I mean Predator to me, I liked it, but I mean it didn't really like, really impress me. You know, I mean for the time for the time that it came out, I and mean, we can get this is a completely different movie. <laughs> um, for the time that it came out, I thought it was an impressive movie, but uh, it just didn't like impress me when it all ended and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I can definitely see, I can definitely see. Now I mentioned it, the parallels between this one and Predator, and I would agree this is probably just a better done version of Predator. And I would say most because of Stallone, because he's given a lot of stuff to deal with in this movie rather than predator who's not really given that much development at all mm-hmm. right and and something funny is uh on now playing's podcast arnie mentioned that rambo 5 i believe was supposed to be rambo versus predator oh dear which i think would be dang awesome but a complete deviation from the source material from the original yes Yes, it would. That would not work at all. However, it would have been sweet. But how how was how was the suspense building moments for you while they're searching for him? They can't find him. He's just popping up in random locations, jumping from treetops, jumping yes. from the ground. How was that? Were you were you kind of like on the edge of your seat, or were you just kind of laid back and just letting it go? Um. Yes. No. I really like this scene. Actually, I think this is one of my more favorite scenes because. Even we as the audience don't even know where he's at or what he's doing, you know, because mm-hmm. there's like this one scene when one of the cops is like walking by and he's like trying to look for me. You know, after you, like, I think he like hops over this log that's on the ground and um, he's like looking for him. And then all of a sudden Sloan is like covered in leaves and he just like jumps up out of nowhere and then just takes the guy down, you know. And it's like not even I knew where he was at. And it was like, such a good shot in the way that they implemented that. I didn't um, I completely forgot he was yeah. there. Yeah, and it actually almost made me jump because I was just like, oh, man, that's where he's at, you know. In my notes, I said, these trick shots are sweet. Uh, later in my notes, I said this. This is cool because the guy, you know, the guy's like walking <laughs> by and that thing, that trip just kind of comes by and it just like stabs him in the legs. Oh, that was the worst, honestly, for yeah. me. Yeah. 
That one just made me cringe because I've always thought, I mean, the DVD says, told me it didn't go there, but I always thought it went into his crotch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which really just makes me squirm. So that was probably the worst for me. And the, the next, I think like one of the next ones we see where he's like tied up by the mm-hmm. throat. That was just like, gosh, that looks Yeah, the, I saw that in my, in my notes. I said, dude, dude's legs were stabbed. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that, if I remember right, there's no music here either. But yeah, I thought, I thought it was really cool just to see Rambo. You're showing off what Rambo is really capable of, you know, what he could really yeah. do to these cops, you know, who are just from this small town off a mountain that no one comes to and stuff. Right. You know? He's been in Vietnam. He's yes. trained in jungle warfare. This is second yes. nature to him whereas they're completely out of their league and that's when i love when he just like comes out of nowhere in the knife tooth teasel's throat and he's like just let it go just let it go i love yes. that and line. earlier right when the scene starts you know they're they send dogs after him you know and then you just see the dogs just run across jump over the log and you hear them yelp and that's it we mm-hmm. don't know what happened to him but we're left like you know as an audience we're left up to imagine what did he just do and then as it shows it kind of like helps to shape oh crap what did he just do, you know? Yes. So that, I thought that was a nice touch. That was a nice touch. So, and then after that, I believe this is when we get to Troutman. Yes. <laughs> Probably my favorite part about Troutman is his opening line where he says, God didn't make Rambo, I did. Yeah, that was cool. I like that. But I kind of want to know your thoughts about Troutman. I've always liked him. Yeah. Watching it, but with this viewing, I felt like I, I kind of had to put my you know, critic goggles on and really analyze his performance. Yeah. So I don't know what you thought of his performance. For me, um, okay, when the movie finished, I liked his character a lot more than when he was first introduced. Sure, yeah. Um, but when he, when he comes up, I said, Colonel just shows up. Let's just explain the whole chunk of the character to the audience, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's exactly what they do. They just kind of sit there and they just tell, I think this is the time they first dropped the bomb of I'm the guy who created Rambo and explains away, you know, what Rambo is other than just mm-hmm. a, you know, a guy from Vietnam, a vet from Vietnam. So I do feel like they could have introduced him a little better because he just kind of comes out of nowhere, you know, I understand why he's right. there. I, there's definitely a good reason for him to be there. I just don't really like his introduction into this movie. Yeah, I, I feel like he has a great opening line, but once he's there, it's like, what? You know, what the heck are you doing? I don't know. You got here super fast, by the way. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. I was like, dang, where did you come from? Why are you here, you know? <laughs> yes, and a little background about uh, Richard Crenna, who played Troutman and the character of Troutman. Originally, it was not Richard Crenna who was playing Troutman. It was Kirk hmm. Douglas, the very famous Kirk Douglas. And he wanted to change some things in the script. They're like, no, we're not going to change that. They had um, posters you can go look up where Kirk Douglas is already oh, dressed wow. up. And it's like, he's like huge on the poster whereas rambo is like small on the poster and they're like kirk douglas is colonel chapman and so eventually he just got booted off the set they're like no you're not going to do it and they called up richard crenna that very day and they're like hey we need you to come play Troutman. he came he came in flew in that night he was filming holy and cow he told the director he's like i've never read this book i haven't read the script i don't know what i'm doing so that is probably why for me, his lines were really hit and miss. His line delivery and his acting was really hit and miss for me. Like sometimes I'm like, yeah, that line really works. Yeah. Like he really delivers yeah. that that gravitas. But then at the same time, I'm like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I can see that. I mean, his performance, it didn't really bother me. But 
there were times where I was noticing, I was like, well, you could have said that line a bit better, or, you know, if there was maybe a reshoot, it would have been a lot better, it would have been, came off a lot right. better, you know, things like that. I did kind of notice a little bit, but it did, for the most part, it didn't really bother me all that much, but I can, I can see, I can, I can see, you know, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. And his first name is Samuel, Samuel Troutman, and that is, I guess that's supposed to, um, he's supposed to embody Uncle Sam. Oh, okay. So that's why his name is Samuel Troutman for Uncle Sam. Gotcha. I guess that I can see that. Right. That's subtle symbolism. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There is actually a line from Troutman that I really like a lot. It's, he was talking to, oh, what's it, the police chief, and he's saying, yo, um, don't go after this guy. He will slaughter all of your men. And the guy's like, well, we have 200. And mm-hmm. like, what would happen if he did that? And he's like, you're going to need a good supply of body bags. That was an That's awesome That's awesome, you know. Yeah, and I remember that was one of the main lines in the trailer. I, I like, back when I couldn't mm-hmm. watch the movie because I was too young, I just watched the trailer repeatedly. And I didn't even know what a body bag was. But I was like, that sounds cool. I like, but, and you mentioned, like, the 200 men in the book. Rambo actually, I believe 200 people actually die in the book. Holy cow. Yeah. So it's much, much different, whereas according to the trivia track, only four people die, and it's all accidentally, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that with Rambo is that he doesn't kill. You know, he just gets them to the point where they can't do anything and then leaves them alone. And that was actually a choice by, I believe, like the producers. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm pretty sure the producers, they wanted him to be kind of this likable anti-hero that the audience could get behind. Whereas in the book, he is he is back from Vietnam and he snaps and he just goes on a murderous rampage. Right. Um, you like we talked like I mentioned that kid in the woods that he finds the the people that are hunting and he like holds the knife over the kid. In the mm-hmm. book, he just murders yeah. the kid outright. Oh wow! Yeah. So he's a cold blooded murderer that nobody in the cinemas would be able to get behind. So they clearly made the right choice by changing his character to be more of this misunderstood, you know, anti-hero. Right. Yeah, I agree. That definitely a good change from the book to the screen. And it gets it gets pretty it gets pretty drastic when they start bringing out the National Guard and Rambo yeah. gets into the caves. And I do love when I love how Troutman calls into Rambo when he says Covey leader to Raven. That was just yes. like you see that in Rambo's like what, you know, like he's back at Yeah. No. Completely changed, and he's like, "Whoa, wait a minute, yeah." Did that was, I did like this scene a lot when he's like trying to explain to Rambo, you know, he's like, "You need to see him turn yourself in, you know, just quit fighting with it, you know." And Rambo was basically just says no, and then cuts the transmission, and you don't hear from between the the dog between them two until yeah, later in the and, film. And the the music, I did make a note. The music in that scene really worked. I was impressed with how. Yes, that worked. I agree. Uh, and also, I liked how Teasel is like walking around in this really kind of plush coat almost. And yes, it, it just yes. shows the contrast between Teasel and Rambo. Rambo is in a bloodied canvas. Mm-hmm. Teasel is in a fur... He's not a fur coat, but it's pretty plush and comfy looking. He just looks so comfortable, which just shows the contrast that he's really not hard. He acts like he wants to go toe-to-toe with Rambo, but he's not willing to do it himself. He's got the weekend warrior National Guard up there right. doing his duty while right. he kind of just chills at camp. You know, being snide right. and crass and stuff. Yes, I really did like that that uh, that opposition between the two characters. I thought it was a nice touch, even though it's like pretty late into the film. I did like that. You mm-hmm. know, now he's back at camp, he can put on this nice fur coat and just direct people where they need to go. Yes, I think next is when they rush him at the cave. What, wait, what did you think of the incorporation of the the title line? 
First Blood. They drew First Blood, not me. Yes, I I thought it was actually a good touch. I felt it worked really well. I, in fact, in my notes, I just said, they drew First Blood. That's the name of the movie, you know? Yeah, they drew but First Blood. But usually I mean. when they bring up the name of the movie, sometimes it works, sometimes it really does not. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> it just ticks you off, and you're like, gosh. Yeah, this one, I felt it worked, because it is true, they... They go. They went after him first, and so he's just like trying to survive and stuff. So I mean, I felt like it worked. I felt like you know, with the name of the movie in the script, it works just fine. Yeah. So they're in the cave. He's in the cave, and one thing mm. I don't know if it's a continuity error or not. When he is shooting back at the National Guard, I didn't. I never saw him pick up an M16 machine gun. Never ever. He had Galt's rifle. I never saw him get a machine gun. I mean, I'm sure he could have picked one up, but. Yes, I actually, I did see him pick it up. I can't remember which part of the movie he does, oh, okay. but he did pick one up. I do remember that okay, part. Okay, because I was lost. I was like, where did he get this gun all of a sudden? So, okay. Well, I'm glad you caught it. It's a very, very quick scene. What What did you think of the those National Guards, the Weekend Warriors? <laughs> oh, this, <laughs> I thought they were hilarious. <laughs> they were a good there comical is, relief. Yeah, okay, there is this, um... Right before that scene, actually, I there's a, like a little kid in the forest. I think he was, I think he was one who points out Rambo from right. Um, yeah. But I was like, are they just allowing small kids in this forest? Mm. Why? You know, I thought that was just kind of like a weird scene <laughs> where they had to have it in there. Um, anyways, so then, um, so they get up there and they're starting shooting at Rambo, and you can tell it's '80s because of all the ricochet sound effects that they have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, see all the wood effects and everything. And so then Rambo pops out every once in a while and just kind of shoots at him back. You know, they always kind of duck behind the thing. And it, a nice nice touch that is it just it just hits the, the wood that they're mm-hmm. hiding behind. He doesn't ever go above him and kill him. It just, it just hits the wood, you know. Yeah. And it kind of shows he's just trying to intimidate, not trying to kill, you that's, know. That's preferable, yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was an interesting touch. And then they all just kind of stay there. You know, after like a while, and it's kind of just sitting there. They're just laying there, yeah. He's like, go get him, go around in there. And they're like, no way, I ain't doing that. (laughs) And one of my favorite lines in the movie is he said, he turns to one guy on his on his right mm-hmm. and he's like why don't you go and he's like no man i'm not going in there and he turns to the guy on the other side he's like all right steve and the guy, steve goes yo and i kind of moves this way and holds his helmet <laughs> and goes yo i thought that was just hilarious just I love that. the way that it was you know yeah and and they so they resort to a rocket launcher yeah okay that's where i was like wait a minute it's like what? wait a minute you this know is, who brought that absolutely it's crazy they resort to a rocket launcher and they yeah. were not supposed to do that we find out from teasel he's like i told you guys to wait what the heck are you doing but it was yeah. pretty funny when they shot it off and they're just like, woo. And the guy's like, bullseye. And he's like, yeah, made yeah. a cigar. And then they like <laughs> reenact like the famous Iwo Jima scene where they're putting up the flag. Yes. That was, that, that was good comedy. That, that worked yeah. really well. I, I did kind of pull it back though. When, Cause the guy put out a camera and then took a picture. I was like, wait a minute, who brought the camera? You know? I, yeah, I know. It's, you know, it's, I guess some guy, some, he's like, I'm going to document this and we're going to get famous and be on the Like, news. if they hadn't had the rocket launcher and then decided to recreate Iwo Jima, why on earth would the guy have the camera? Mm-hmm. Is something that was just there. Is nothing that needs to be addressed or that's a main problem with the script or anything. It's just there, <laughs> you know? Um, although, yeah. going back to when they, before they shoot off the rocket launcher, um, Rainbow ditches the machine gun and runs down the cave and then they shoot the thing and yes. it blows up and it all caves in on itself. And so now Rainbow was basically caught down there in these trenches. Mm-hmm. Then after the scene, though, then the guy comes back and says, what are you doing here? You know, each one says, shoot that. What did you think of he, okay. So clearly he figures out he can escape. Like he kind of 
he's, he's figuring out how to get out of there. Did you feel claustrophobic at all? Did was the movie able to create that claustrophobia tension for you, or or not? Yeah, usually movies don't make me feel claustrophobic. Even when we watched uh, The Descent, even now it's just like not really claustrophobic in the movie. Um, that's yeah. just that's just me. I did like that you know he had like we we seeing him basically at his complete lowest point. Until mm-hmm. later, but like for that point now, it was just he's completely at his lowest point. He's resorting yeah, that's to good symbolism. Yeah, yeah, and he was resorting to whatever he had around him, not you know what the others had on him and stuff. And so that was kind of cool to see, like you know, in action doing his thing. But yeah, the movie never really thought, never never really gave me the um, impression of claustrophobia. It may have been because I was watching it on a smaller screen. Well, stuff. even me, even for me, yeah. it didn't. And I don't know if that is a testament to it's like replay value or not i don't remember my first feelings when i first saw it but a lot of these moments where it is it is building tension or supposed to be building tension or you're supposed to feel claustrophobic or something i never felt any of those i didn't feel there's any tension because i mean rambo's clearly gonna win like we saw him in very vulnerable moments oh yeah but he is in his element like when he's on the cliff sure you know, yes. I mean, he's vulnerable, but in the jungle, there's no question because I know he is far more superior than them. So that's why I didn't really have any. And plus that cave wasn't very small. Yeah, so. I thought it was kind of convenient, honestly. It, it was pretty easy for him to get through there. Not just that, just the fact that the cave was just there oh, yeah. in general. It was man-sized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I just felt like, it's like, wait, who built a cave? Supposedly people here? were there. There was a ladder he climbed down. Yeah, I saw that. But, um, I, don't know, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I put in my notes here. It's like maybe they're recreating Vietnam a little bit too much. Yeah, I, I, I've seen clips from Vietnam, and I remember in the Call of Duty Black Ops, you do crawl through a little watery tunnel like that so that is pretty vietnam-esque i I actually didn't think about it until you brought it up but that's a pretty good point that it is like harkening really harkening back to vietnam right and i'm perfectly fine with him recreating vietnam i feel like that works very well in this movie Mm -hmm. you know bringing in his what he remember was just in and now is experiencing once more i like that they were basically recreating vietnam with the forest and everything but i feel like when he gets down in that water and underneath you know, all the rubble. I feel like maybe they're pushing it just a little bit too far. Yeah. But lucky for us, it's only for about five minutes. So it's, it's pretty short. Too big. And those, I did, I will, I will say yeah. those, those rats kind of freaked me out a little bit when they're on him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I put in my notes like rats. That's an interesting, yeah. you know, it's kind of interesting. They brought in rats. But. And it is a little funny that yeah. everybody thinks Rambo's dead without any proof. But Troutman gives this really bad performance of like, like he gets like chilled or something and he makes this face like, hmm, I think I know better, but I'm not going to say anything. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought that was a little funny. So, okay, Rambo escapes. He jumps onto the truck. And what did you think about his line when he said, keep your eyes on the road? That's how accidents happen. But that was kind of interesting. I didn't really see why the line was yeah, needed. I always, I always thought but... it was funny when I watched it. But now this time yeah. around, like looking at it through critical eyes. I was like, he would not have said that because A, he is oh, yeah. just like bloodthirsty. I mean, he's just like in survival mode. And then he just goes to like right. cracking wise, like all of a sudden, like, hey, man, right? I just crawled out of a tunnel and I just got shot at by a rocket launcher. But that was a little out of place. It was funny, but completely out of place for me. Yeah. I feel like at that point, the 80s were kind of catching up to the movie again. Yeah. <laughs> um, bad one-liner Schwarzenegger lines come in. <laughs> and this scene... 
this scene reminded me so much of Raiders of the Lost Ark when I was oh, watching it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like when he's like, when he gets on the vehicle, climbs the vehicle, and then like knocks the guy out and then drives off that vehicle, you know? It felt a lot, a lot like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now I know it came out later, so I'm not going to hark the movie for that. I'm just saying it reminds me of that. Which one came out later, Raiders? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I couldn't remember, but I thought I thought I thought it was pretty cool when he uh, okay when he runs those police officers off the road. Yes, and they crash. They are dead. So that is not true. And they're like Rambo doesn't kill anybody in the special features. I'm like, right. um, pretty sure those guys are dead. Right. Yeah, that. that's right. I did. I did forget about that. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was cool when he did that. Um, and when he's like busting through stuff, I kind of had those like Mad Max vibes. Yeah. Road Warrior vibes when he's like busting through the police line. Yeah, it's, it was especially this scene when I was like, this really reminds me of uh, Raiders a bit more. When he's like knocking over the guys in the car, right. the, sm- the smaller cop car off the road and stuff. Yeah. This, this little touch just kind of reminded me of Raiders. Right, and then he gets, and then he just demolishes those gas pumps, which I'm pretty sure he did on purpose to yes. cause a diversion. Yes. And that, that, that gas station was actually built for the movie and blown up just for the film. Gotcha. So that that's kind of cool. They were able to do that. Right. Um, and now we're reaching. This is the part we're reaching the climax to. This is the climax. This is the duel yes. in the city. My personal feelings is Rambo goes too far by bringing the fight to the civilians, like civilian life, mm. and just destroying their area. Yeah. I mean, he is just completely turning it into a war zone, and I feel like up there when he when he ran like i feel like i'm sure in his mind that was like his only choice you know i have to go back and stop these people now but i i don't know personally that's kind of when i turned on his character a little bit because before i was rooting for him and then now i'm like all right you're just going too far by blowing things up right so wait did uh did rambo know that the chief is like at the police station or at least in the town did you know that at all? I'm sure he knew that the police chief was back there because I doubt he would still be up in the woods. I, I'm pretty sure that's why he was running back to police okay. headquarters, you know? Yeah. Because now you mention that, yeah, I do agree that um, maybe too far to push it back to the city, you know, and Ramble basically takes over the city and turns into a war zone. But really, the the biggest thing he does when he's actually like in the inner city is just blow out the electricity. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing he does for the most part. I mean, they're, I mean, he does blow up that gun store too. Yeah, and he begins with a gas station. Right, yeah. But but, the, but other than those two, he basically just taking out the electricity. Kind of, I feel like he's kind of like cornering the police chief at yeah. the police station. He you know? is. Yeah, and then eventually he shoots up the whole right. station. Right. And er, you mentioned that um, Troutman, you, you liked him better by the end. And I put on my notes, uh, Troutman grows on me. Yes, I would so, agree. I would completely agree with that. Yeah, by the end, because he'd probably been shooting for like a couple of days, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Okay, I think I know how to act this now." So, <laughs> right, yeah. So yeah, I, I I agree. It is kind of pushing it a little bit for Rambo's character. Um, I don't. I think it maybe bit off a little bit more that it can chew with him, like going through the actual city, you know. But at the same time, I guess I can kind of see why he does this because he maybe he feels like with him in the city, then I have you know. A better way to like not only hide but to also corner the cops as well right. or Troutman. So I feel like maybe that's why he's going back to the city is so that way he can like finally stop this once and for all. You know, right at the heart of where they all started. Yeah, I'm sure that's yeah part of like his training or something. Yeah, yeah. And maybe later when we get to the very end because we're almost there. When we get to the very end, we'll probably I'll, I'll explain a bit more about the metaphors and the things that happened in this movie and the correlation between them. 
yeah, for the most part, I do feel like it maybe bit off a bit more than you can than they could really chew, just like you said that you mentioned it. Yeah. So he he finally gets to the police station, and he shoots uh, Teasel through the roof, causing Teasel to fall through the skyline, which I didn't think was a very climactic battle between these two forces. But right. at the same time, it kind of makes sense because clearly Rambo's going to have the upper hand. And oh, we've yeah. got great action throughout the whole thing. So I really didn't feel like it needed to be some duel because it, it wouldn't make sense. Rambo's lean, fast, and strong. Diesel's kind of out of shape. Yeah, yeah, he definitely. He just doesn't have the smarts that Rambo does. So, and also, uh, Brian Dennehy, when he fell through that skylight, he actually broke a few ribs. Oh, wow. So these guys did not come from this movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> and then Troutman comes in, which I feel like this scene between Troutman and Rambo really works for me. Oh, yes. This was, of all the things that I've seen in this movie, this was my favorite scene of, a, of them all, I have to say. For the whole movie, we're just kind of seeing Rambo just go on this rampage. And then we get to this point where Rambo literally just breaks down. And he's just absolutely nothing at this point. He just, you know, confessing to Troutman and everything. I was like, whoa. Yeah. This movie, like, it, when we got to the end of this movie, real. it completely <laughs> changed the rest of the movie, like, what it really means, you know? Yeah, and it, I feel like that was really important, that it had that emotional point to it and gravity to it. This oh, yeah. is not just a mindless action film. This is a film with a political message, with a point, with right. a meaning. And it felt pretty fulfilling when Rambo does ultimately break down that he's not, like, this soldier of steel. Yes. He is a human being with, you know real feelings uh, i will say i thought it was pretty funny in in now playing's podcast one of them said that mm-hmm. stallone's trying to give his oscar performance you know you <laughs> yeah. know those performances where it's like all right you are i know you're acting right now you just want an oscar i really wouldn't right. say that about this scene though i can see i can see that i yeah. love i love his monologue what he says to Troutman, like nothing is over you know for me civilian life is nothing I feel like that's mm-hmm. really well written. I will say, though, when he does eventually break down, it it makes sense. It really works for me, and I love his, like, stream of consciousness. Yes. I will say the only thing, though, is that it's it's basically indiscernible, almost. What do you mean by that? When he's sitting there crying about stuff, I never, ever knew anything he was saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on yeah. all my viewings until, like, I finally watched it with subtitles, and I've seen it enough now. I get what he's talking about, but... He's just completely just mumbling and rambling. It makes sense mm-hmm. for the character, but for the audience, I'm just like, what are you? What? Yes, yeah, I, I agree. I was when when we were, when I was watching it, got to this point, and he's like, it's kind of like you know, hits the uh, file cabinet and kind of falls to his knees, and he's yeah. just like, just like crying and telling the story and stuff. And for the first half, I couldn't understand anything that he was saying. It was kind of just mumbling nope. and stuff. I was like, what is he saying? <laughs> you know. And yep. then it got to a point where he was telling the story about his friend. He was going to tell him, and his friend was going to take him on like this ride in a car when they got back to the Americas mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, and and then he died later with like I think it was a grenade or something. My like went off, yep. and and as he said, pieces were all over the place, you know. And he was just and he gave his yeah. final words to him. Right. I really liked that. That was it. Kind of put in perspective what exactly Rambo has really seen, you know. Mm-hmm. And now it kind of helps translate to why he's like here, what he is now. Right. It's personal. It hits yes. close to home. Yes. Yeah. And that's like his PTSD moment that really, right. I, I feel like it really works well. Yes, um, I do. The one thing, this is probably like, probably really irreverent to the scene, mm-hmm. but I, all I could think about was that scene in Toy Story when Buzz Lightyear has lost his marbles and he's having tea. Yeah, and he's called he's calling himself Mrs. Nesbit, 
And he's just like, I am Mrs. Nesbitt. Ah, you know? <laughs> it's all I can think of was, I'm like, oh, man, that's, uh, I don't know. I could almost see Toy Story possibly patterning that scene off of that, mm-hmm. where, like, you know, Buzz Lightyear is just, like, completely lost it. But right. that's for right. another time. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to say that uh, the dire- the writer, um, there's, this Rambo is based off of a real guy uh, named Audie Murphy from World War II. He is the most decorated soldier of World War II. I don't know, maybe ever. But okay. and he did have PTSD, so he did base it off a real life guy named Audie gotcha, Murphy. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, did do you do you know about the alternate ending? No, did not. Okay. Well, the book ended much different from the film, um, and they actually did filmed an alternate ending, but the audience completely hated it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were just like belligerent with how much they hated the alternate ending wow uh in the book you're gonna be really shocked by this but in the book uh troutman uh takes a shotgun and blows rambo's brains out holy cow in the book yeah and you can watch the i'm sure you can get the dvd not the not the dvd you can get the alternate ending on youtube if you want to look it up yeah i rewatched it last night it's really i mean the dialogue from stallone going to like great dialogue reading to this is just crap it is just horrible his dialogue mm-hmm. like his performance but what he does he's like you made me you created me now you kill me he gives troutman a gun and he's like just kill me mm-hmm. and troutman's like no I, I can't do it he doesn't say anything he lowers the gun rambo pulls the gun pulls the trigger himself and just blows himself away with a really bad slow motion of him slamming against the file cabinet oh, wow. and it's just like a lingering shot of his face and he's dead so that was actually screened mm-hmm. and audiences hated it. And I feel like that would have been a really, really sour ending. Like I watched it I'm like this just really yeah. kind of ruins the whole movie for me. You know? Yeah, I, I yeah, I could definitely definitely see why that would not work yeah. at all. <laughs> um yeah, that this isn't it just doesn't feel like it hits home as much as this ending does where he walks out, you know, later and stuff and he ends up having to deal with the cops and whatnot, or presumably he has to. It doesn't really explain that what exactly happens after he leaves. But yeah, I don't think him shooting himself in the face and killing himself would be the biggest emotional impact as this no, does. It's just really disheartening. And it's like, it's like, okay, well, this really isn't any positive message to any soldier who's has yeah. this PTSD and who's gone through the war. It, it's just really disheartening. It, it really, like, would have soured me against it and i really didn't like it like that ending yeah yeah exactly but um so then yeah the movie ends yeah. with yeah it ends with them walking out and the credits are rolling and yeah. salone looks one way and then freeze, freeze frame magic exactly <laughs> the magical 80s yeah. freeze frame and then it fades to black and that's the end of the movie yeah. what what do you think of that song real quick though okay when i was bringing the whole movie together what it really means i was just like this was the perfect song, I feel like. Yeah. Mid eighties, yeah. yeah, it's definitely has that eighties vibe to it. I mean, that's the movie. Whole movie is set in the eighties, or was made in the eighties. So of course, it makes sense why it was there. No, I thought it was great. I thought it was a perfect song for the ending. You know. Yeah, that's actually his brother singing it. Really? Mm-hmm. Frank Stallone. Yeah, I th- I I've always liked the song. It's a long road. Uh, I have an issue with some of the dialogue and some of the musical choices were a little kind of cheesy and weird. But other than that, I feel like the song is. It's a good ending. So, and also, I was going to bring up that deleted scene. There, there's the alternate ending, but there is one more deleted scene. Okay. That really, I'm just thank the Lord they cut it out. Um, yeah. Is bad. 
it's you know when rambo is in the cave he's talking with troutman he's eating his boar boar's leg he is laying there and he's daydreaming of being back in vietnam okay at a brothel huh and there's like they're dancing there's asian women you know and it gets really weird because he he's daydreaming he's remembering of him having uh sex with an asian woman uh-huh. So you see nudity, you see your topless, you see them kissing and stuff, and then eventually it cuts away. It's very, very weird. There's no dialogue. It's all very bad, weird music. Yeah, it's weird. And it the scene ends with him back in the cave crying. Hmm. So I'm just so thankful they, they cut that out. That was just a very yeah. odd choice with nudity and having yeah. showing Rambo having sex with a prostitute in a Vietnamese brothel. Very yeah. odd. Yeah. Yeah, no, that would not have worked at all, I don't feel. Um, especially in the movie with the message, I feel like that especially would have really went against the message I was trying to bring, too. So Yeah, especially with pacing, it's just terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Alan, what are your final thoughts for First Blood? Okay, I really like this movie. And at first, when I before it got to the end, um, which I talked about so many times before in this podcast, because I love this ending, Um before it reaches the end, I was like, okay, this is a pretty fun, mindless action movie, right? And then the ending happens. And it all kind of wraps it up in this in this very nice, you know, little bubble. Not really nice, but it's a nice little bubble of what exactly this movie is, like, made to be about. And what I got out of it is um, when the Vietnam War happened and, you know, it finished and the soldiers came home, they were not treated good at all, you know. And it was the reason for this, if I'm right, it was a first televised war mm-hmm. and the things that they depicted were not good. And if I yeah. remember right, this one, too, they were shown shooting women and children who are supposedly unarmed. And yeah. the reason for this was because uh, they were the Vietnamese were arming the women and children. So they didn't know who to trust, you know. Exactly. You didn't know who the enemy was. Right. And so when they came home, everyone was treating them like crap. You know, everyone was just like, why would you do that? How could you do that? How can you live with yourself? And after coming from one of the probably one of the worst wars in history and I believe the first one that America has lost. Yeah, it was hard. Like like, I couldn't imagine how hard it was after, you know, coming back from an insanely bloody war to now being basically reprimanded for the things that you've done trying to help your country, you know. Mm -hmm. And so this movie does a very good job, I feel, at his metaphors as, like, telling, you know, it shows Rambo coming home from Vietnam or, you know, wherever he's going. Mm-hmm. And uh, then just uh, because of no reason at all, he's put in, he's booked, put in, basically put in jail and then until he basically just snaps and breaks out and is back, back in Vietnam for him and has to survive. And then in the end, he basically explains, I was just trying to come home. I was just trying to get my life back in order after coming home, you know, from this war. And then all this happens, you know. Right. And he, and he explains, he tells the story with his friend, you know, his friend promised him they go on a car ride when he get back home. And, and then that just never happened because he ended up dying later on, you know. So Moody does a very good job at, ex- about building this metaphor and then exposing it at the end for the audience to kind of realize uh, what this movie is really about. And this, and especially the time this came out, this came out, mm, let's see, five, six, seven years after the Vietnam War ended, okay? Yeah. So it definitely paints this picture of um, how things were like for the 
for the soldiers when they came back from war. And I feel like it does a very good job of that. Some of the metaphors, I would say, don't really push or they don't really are satisfying as much, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the police thing and stuff, you know, I don't think the movie was going for the police to be the, the enemies. But the way that the movie was made, it just made it seem like they're enemies, you know. Yeah. And you know, stuff like that. Um, but I did like how it just completely broke him down. This guy who's been built up to be this super hard character the whole movie, and the very end, last scene you see of him, he's crying to his to uh, the guy who's in charge of him, who made him, telling him everything that he experienced, you know. And I feel like it did a very good job at building a metaphor. It has some things in it that were kind of like, well, that was weird. Like, <laughs> like okay, like the metaphor thing earlier, you know, the guy, the police chief. He's just going after him just because he looks suspicious. And sure. that's the reason why the movie goes on and starts, you know. Yeah. It doesn't really feel like a good metaphor. Mm-hmm. I feel like they could have done better with that, showing him, you know, how, you know, why they're going after him instead of he's just there because he looks suspicious and that's how it starts. I feel like they could have done better with that and a couple other things. But for the most part, it does a very good job at building the story and then building, like, creating a very important uh, message to the audience. I, I really like this movie. It's I give it, I think, an 8. I think that's what I gave it. Um, I didn't know if I wanted to give it an 8 or a 9. I think I wanted to give it like an 8.5, but I didn't really go like halves, so I just gave it an 8, straight 8. A really good, high recommend 8. I, I feel the exact same way. I really like the message about Vietnam. It made a lot of sense. I felt like they presented it to the audience in a way that could really kind of enlighten them and really open up their eyes to like, this is what these soldiers went through. This is, you know how they're treated when they come back home. Right. I really feel like they did a great job of opening that up. Uh, I would say the cops are just too bad. Uh, they're just yeah. very one-dimensional characters, mostly all of them. Uh, they really are... They just they seem a little too, too bad, especially in this little town. Uh, I do root for Rambo. I feel like he's a character you can really root for, especially knowing he is a decorated war hero medal of mm-hmm. honor i do at the very end i have a little trouble with his character um just just bringing the fight to the civilians and just blowing everything up uh, i would say that uh sylvester stallone is not the best actor in this film i personally felt it was uh teasel brian dennehy i felt he was the best of the three i i just i don't know he really brought it with his just anger and rage although i do feel the character development was somewhat poor i was able to read into it enough that i really enjoyed his performance i do i do feel like sylvester sloan did a really good job at this like kind of silent deranged kind of trained soldier and you could just really see that in his eyes especially Uh, i felt the film did have great pacing i was really impressed with that i never really felt that it it slowed down Uh, i mean except in the kind of like towards that cave setting where he's in the cave and like trying to get out of there and they think he's dead i would say that's a bit of a slump but kind of a necessary one uh, i love the setting beautiful setting um the the when he's crying at the monologue um i loved that part but then i would say from going crying to surrendering you know tears have been wiped away that was a little abrupt to me i understand they had to wrap the movie up it was it's about an hour and 40 minutes and yeah i 
I would completely agree with your rating. I was struggling between giving it eight and nine stars. Actually, I have that in my notes. I was, mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, I, I don't, I really don't feel like I could justify giving it nine stars. Yeah, that's exactly how I yeah, was too. So I did, I did give it eight out of ten stars. Uh, this film is great, and it's a really solid recommend on my part. Yes. Um, just an overall solid film so i i i love it i've seen it many times and i i plan on seeing it many more yeah this definitely one i'm gonna buy on blu-ray because i thought it was a fantastic film completely agree so that wraps up our review for first blood we will be back sometime to do the review for first blood part two and so stay tuned to look forward to that review we will have that up eventually we want to be able to do these podcasts for you listeners and we enjoy doing it ourselves um head over to silverscreenguide.wordpress.com for more great articles and reviews on films alan here is starting to write some articles for the website so make sure to look for articles by him and me your co-host corbin riley we want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast please Uh, Tell your friends about it. Uh, Make sure to stay tuned for our Rambo series that we will continue with shortly. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it.